Hello and welcome to a Dental Business Transaction podcast here in the start of 2022. I'm joined today with Abby Greenhoff, my Managing Director, and we're going to be having a chat around the landscape of the dental market. Abby, welcome. Hi Lily, Uh, bring it on 2022 and whatever it brings. Great. Um, Abby, now let's talk about the general perception of the market right now that we're hearing, not only from dentists, but also from the solicitors and the accountants that we work with. So um, reaching the end of 2021, um, looking back at last year, when we all sort of downed tools a couple of days for Christmas, we were all wiping our brow because it's been an absolutely crazy year. We're hearing the same from the solicitors that we work to, they're sort of brim up to capacity with transactions. And I think that's off the back of more volume in transactions in the latter part of last year. As practices started to see their recovery, they thought, you know, now's the time for them to take their practices to the market. And we saw that renewed vigour with um, a lot more buyers into the market coming out of the pandemic, a lot more interest from associate dentists. And that interest hasn't waned at all. And I'm seeing a lot of new practices that are getting ready to open. I think, you know, we're based in Leamington and I think I've seen there's three, I think three new practices opening up in Leamington alone. So there's a lot of interest, but there's also that sort of translates into what we're seeing in our market and the activity. Um, We're seeing a lot of interest in maybe the more the sort of slightly less priced practices and they're seeing them as build and grow opportunities there's a lot of people that rather than a squat are looking at something really affordable with scope to grow those extra rooms that they can see that they can fill um, in the future so grow and build opportunities are really popular right now so abby this strong trend and i'm sure you get asked this a million times but do you see it continuing and is the bubble going to burst I think in the market, there's always going to be regional difference between practices and depending on the practice type, difference in values. But I don't see the general bubble is going to burst. And that's supported by how well the dental sector has recovered compared to other industries. It's a wholly domestic sector and it's remained really, really strong um, and resilient during the pandemic. And investors are seeing it as a great opportunity as well because NHS practices were supported through lockdown. So I don't think that any of that interest is gonna wane. And after all, um, it's supply and demand that drives the market and there still aren't enough practices and opportunities for the people out there that are looking for them. I agree. And you know, it's funny because you've been doing, you've been working with me now for seven years but I've been doing this for 17 years, uh, purely dental. Prior to that, as you know, I did vet- veterinary and optical practice sales. But I was asked the same question 17 years ago. Is the bubble going to burst? Have we peaked out? Is the demand for, you know, it's quite extraordinary. And here we are in 2022. We've been through all this, um, but the market is genuinely still strong. And how are you finding it with the banks? Obviously, you get to see every side of, of the story in all the transactions. How are the banks supporting buyers with funding? All of the lenders that we work with on our tier one panel at Lilyhead Finance, they're all uh, competitively offering fantastic terms for buyers still. So, you know, lending is really competitive out there and there's some really good deals for buyers. I think one thing to comment on um, is many practices we've seen their private element grow significantly um, compared to what they were doing pre-pandemic and in some um, cases we're able to push those valuations up on the basis that you know for the last six or 12 months the revenues have been much higher 
Um, but what the banks are particularly sensitive about is making sure that that increased or forecast revenue off the back of seeing that growth is sustainable going forward. Um, and we're having to provide much more robust financial information um, to the finance team and to the banks to be able to show that that is sustainable to justify that higher price. Yeah, fair comment. So what would you say are the opportunities out there for dentists right now coming into the new year? Lots of them obviously have decided this is the year I'm mm -hmm. going to buy my first practice or my second or my third or whatever. What opportunities do you perceive out there for dentists? I think one of the opportunities now uh, NHS practices are delivering more of their contract in quarter four coming up and a lot of the new patients and the new revenues in private or mixed practices have come from patients that couldn't access their NHS treatment. If that becomes available again, private practices need to think about how they can hang on to those patients mm -hmm. and keep them as patients of the practice where they've seen their revenue grow by you know, 20 or so percent, they want to be able to hang on to those as regular patients and therefore bolster their goodwill. Okay, Abby, so let's talk about um, what's in the demand at the moment, what, you know, what's hot and what's not. I mean, we talked about squats. But, uh, and I know that we saw a huge uh, resurgence of the popularity of fully private practices. What are you seeing right now? What are the trends? I think pre-pandemic, um, we were looking at private practices being you know, pushed up in the ranks, really, in terms of popularity. Um, and I think that's leveled out a little bit more, um, perhaps because NHS practices were supported through those tough times um, and I think they probably on an even, pretty much of an even keel at the moment I would say I've still got a, a big cohort of people that are looking for those smaller NHS practices which have chance for organic growth with the private side and then for my multi-operators that we're working with are really competitive about securing NHS contracts sort of 500,000 plus so those two, two elements are still very strong. So I think it's a really good mix and maybe even a little bit of levelling out. So, OK, Abby, now we know what the NHS UDA targets are. Let's have a talk in terms of how this may potentially affect valuations. Yes. Um, so we know that dental practices in quarter four are required to do 85% um, target and orthodontics a bit more at 90%. But to think about what effect that might have on goodwill values, there's a few things to consider. So in 2021, um, we've seen a real private boom and seen mixed practices open up their chair time and their book for more private dentistry. So their revenues have gone up and we've seen those private practices where their private book has increased phenomenally when um, patients couldn't get into their NHS practices. So now that those practices are opening up for more patients, uh, the banks and the buyers are going to be looking very, very carefully to see whether that revenue uplift, those new patients and that profit has been sustained. So of course, it follows that if that we see a drop in those revenues and patients return to their NHS practices, or practices have to dedicate more time to their NHS list, those profits will drop and potentially those uplifted valuations may fall slightly. 
Yeah, well, that makes every sense, doesn't it? And Lily, as we've heard from the BDA survey, two thirds of practices um, believe that they're going to struggle to hit those targets with staff shortages and you know difficulty of getting associates and patient cancellations. So we predict there's going to be clawback quite substantial later in the year, which is going to put that financial strain on the practice viability and their cash flow. They still have to pay their associates, their staff, you know, their rent and all their overheads. So, you know, some of those smaller practices with not a lot of other cash flow to rely on, you know, may be under huge pressure. Yeah, it's an, another interesting time coming up ahead. Goodness me, it's like the Grand National, isn't it, of events? You know, there's all these hurdles to overcome, but practice owners have overcome an awful lot so far. But without a doubt, it's going to be an interesting time coming up in the next two quarters to see how they cope. Another thing that we're seeing, you know, talking to dentists at meetings pretty much always comes in the topic of conversation that there's NHS practices with smaller contracts or where they're situated in um, places where the demographics support private dentistry, you know, fee-paying uh, patients, they are really considering converting those NHS lists to private. So we'll see, you know, what, what effect that will have on values and profits further down the line. Abby, what impact can you see on the values with practices not having enough staff? I know that you've had some recent uh, examples of this kind of effect. Absolutely. It's the hottest topic, I think, in dentistry at the moment. And, you know, the biggest thing that's challenging all, all of our clients. Um, it's, it's challenge even in the major cities now and particularly challenging to recruit um, associates onto de- NHS lists. Um, staff are being poached from one practice to another, being offered better rates. Um, so from a point of view of a pra- practices, they, they're tending to see that their staff costs are potentially going up. Um, so just for example, a four surgery practice with a £900,000 turnover, 18% profit, let's say £162,000 profit, a valuation on an eight time multiple would be close to £1.3 million. Let's say there's a increase in staff cost by 15,000, that's 8%. Um, and, you know, we're seeing national insurance rises this year as well. Uh, the pr- practice profits fall by 15,000 to 147. You translate that into evaluation, that's now 1,175,000. So that's a £125,000 reduction in the value. So it just really highlights the importance of keeping financial control Um, managing your costs um, and controlling costs and that's in the context of inflation Um, adjusting your pricing and tariffs you know really important to make sure you're pricing your time um, and your services appropriately and looking for efficiencies and opportunities to to grow and also just keeping sane mind because it's extremely stressful for practice owners at the moment when you know there's got staff staff problems and notices giving in so um, not only the sort of valuation, but keeping keeping sane. <laughs> Great advice, Abby. Easier said than done, of course, but I know that there is help out there. And if anybody would like so many introductions to people that could perhaps help them with some business coaching, mentoring or accountancy help, you know, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Let's talk about um, location shifts, because obviously uh, there are the sort of the major conurbations. They're the big towns and they're, the, they're the hot potatoes, as I say. We know that the price goes up buying practices in more rural locations are you seeing people 
more willing to move and relocate to get the practice as a result of the pandemic. I'm talking to more people that are willing to widen their search. Perhaps they haven't put down their roots, you know, with schools or whatever, and they're, they're, they're looking to move and relocate for maybe better value opportunities. There was more of that coming out of the pandemic when there was that sort of thought that people were moving away from the high streets and away from the city centres. But I think we're beginning to see that shift back a bit now, um, that there still really is that focus on those major, major areas, which I think are easier to recruit. Um, I think one of the things is the challenges that we face in the next year in relation to practice um, sales and also what might impact valuations is staffing. I think it's the biggest challenge at the moment, even in flight deals, there's associates maybe giving their notice in or uh, support staff giving their notice in, which can destabilise things a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then obviously some buyers don't always want to complete on deals till they know they've got that steady, uh, the surgery is filled with associates. So staffing is probably one of the biggest challenges over the next year and employee rates are having to be given maybe pay rises in order to retain staff mm -hmm. from sort of jumping ship to another practice down the road so potentially staffing costs are on the up mm -hmm. in order to recruit and retain people um, so that's probably one of the biggest challenges and some areas are still uh, more challenging to recruit in than others so keeping a stable staffing situation is one of the uh, things the bugbears of practice owners at the moment which yeah. may have a knock-on effect and of course it's always been that way but it's uh, even more important now isn't it to keep a steady ship mm -hmm. and of course as we've mentioned on previous blogs and discussions you know when you are in the middle of a sale transaction it's not the time to start changing the personnel changing the payroll you've got to work very closely with your seller, your buyer, what have you, make sure that everything is as it should be. Yeah, it's about keeping, you know, the, the, the costs in your practice as stable as possible, so not to risk your deal that you have with your buyer. But increasingly people are ringing me up and saying that if I don't give this pay rise now, I think I'm going to lose, lose people. It's a, it is a, a real challenge at the yeah. moment. And I know recruitment companies are having mm. a very tough time. Um, but, uh, They've yeah. got lots of vacancies and probably not enough people to fill them at the moment, which is, I'm hearing, in, you know, it's the same in restaurants, isn't it? Or in so many different places, they can't get hold of the people. Um, another thing to mention is we've recently heard that NHS targets have gone up. So 85% for your general GDS um, and 90% for orthodontics. Um, so the focus very much for those NHS practices in the next three months is going to be either catching up to meet those targets and hitting those targets. So something to avoid um, if it's possible and safe to do so is a clawback um, in, in this final quarter, which could present a financial challenge you know, to, to, into the next year for NHS practices. That's very interesting to hear. And and I suppose really, what's the, our final message to sign off here to people listening? I suppose if you are a principal and you're considering your options, you're considering selling, what would be your words of advice and caution to them right now? There are no, there's nothing in the market that suggests it's not a good time. If you're ready um, and your practice is ready, 
then the market is ready <laughs> to buy you basically. So the market remains really, really strong. Um, I think there's opportunities there really to stabilise the practice and grab those opportunities which we've had of those new patients coming to the door um, over the last 12 months wanting to join the practice or be treated. Yeah. Um, and I think patients are still very much looking after their, the way they look. Um, there's opportunities in practice to really sort of capitalise on patients' demand for treatment. Yeah. So it's all good, really, isn't it? Um, and of course, you know, we are pleased to see that the market, the dental market itself, is very stable again. Um, so, you know, people must not feel that perhaps this is the wrong time, waiting to see what happens. We've had a year now, as you were saying earlier, of seeing solid trading. Um, and so it's all good. Finally, Abby, let's talk just briefly about the multiples of EBITDA that we are seeing out there as a general rule. And I will stress that, you know, this is not to be taken, you know, as the law because there are there's great flex in this. And on occasion, we far exceed the go to market sale price. It's all about demand. Let's talk about the general multiples of EBITDA being paid right now. So looking at the last six months uh, and working on averages, and we all know averages can sometimes be pulled up or down by the extremes, um, we are looking at 7.7 .7 times EBITDA for a corporate deal. Um, if we keep in our exceptional deals, our average is 8.6. But to give you a real idea of where the middle ground is sitting, it's around 7.7 .7 for a corporate deal at the moment. So in summary, Lily, the corporates for high quality practices are having to bid eight times and sometimes more in order to even get a look in um, against their competition. That's being pushed up by more competition between corporates and investor buyers. Um, and over the last six months, we um, negotiating deals for our clients have seen the earnout periods come down from sort of typically five years to three years being the norm and flexible terms uh, for the targets, the revenue targets, um, the working conditions. So in that competitive environment and being able to leverage that competition, um, deals are, with corporates and investors are becoming uh, much more flexible and compelling in order to, to, to win the practices. That's good news for people, isn't it? Because obviously it shows that they're very keen to acquire and grow. And that would appeal to a lot more principals that didn't want the big, you know, the golden handcuffs. Five years, seven years, it was way too much for them. So that's good to see that there is that flexibility out there yeah. without being punished financially. And that's the thing. It's the whole deal, isn't it? It's who you sell to. Yeah. What are the terms? What are you going to be paid? How long do I commit to? Um, who am I selling to? It's the whole package. So just to finish off, Abby, let's talk about the non-corporate deals. What kind of averages of multiple of EBITDA are we seeing for associate-led practices and owner-operated models? Where practices change hands dentist to dentist and the dentist uh, coming in intends to work in the practice themselves, retaining their clinical earnings, in the last six months, we have seen uh, the average sitting at 3.6 times the multiple of the owner-operated profits. So just to clarify, 
that is with the principal's earnings in the profit, hence the different multiple range to the to the corporate purchases. Again, uh, this is an average, so not all practices are the same. And we've had exceptional deals where the uh, multiple paid is in the region of five and up. Uh, so there is variance between practices. And in summary, this has really been the year 2021 of the entrepreneurial dentist. Uh, there's been opportunities in the market for growing, responding to patient demand, uh, adding uh, additional resource to respond to those patients that uh, want to come into the practice. So we've seen lots of practices, you know, really take that entrepreneurial growth spirit. And equally, there are a lot of entrepreneurial buyers out there in the market. We saw a massive boost in um, buyers into the market off the back of the pandemic, and that has remained strong. Uh, there's entrepreneurial dentists out there that see the opportunity in the sector to, 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 grow, uh, to grow businesses. And uh, the market, as a result, is, is very healthy. Thank you very much today, Abby. It's good to catch up. I suggest we catch up again in about three months' time and see where the whole market is driving. Um, a spring update, I suggest. So for now, it's thank you and goodbye. I'm sure those three months are going to fly by, Lily. Um, I'm getting ready and pumped for them. <laughs> <laughs> Great.